Welcome to the Hot Potato Food and Beverage Impact Talk podcast. Every episode, we talk to leading sustainability thinkers, practitioners, corporate leaders, investors, and NGOs. We provide a range of perspectives that investigate the most recent thinking and business strategies related to sustainability in the grocery, retail sector, and food and beverage industry. I'm super excited to welcome you to the first episode. My name is Elisa Kramlich. I'm the co-founder of Inoko, and I'm your host today. I'm really excited to welcome our first guest, who is actually also going to host some of the episodes of this podcast moving forward. Welcome to Hot Potato, Markus Linder, co-founder and CEO of Inoko. Thank you, Elisa. Super excited to be the first guest of the podcast today and very much looking forward to discuss challenges and potential solutions around sustainability in the food and beverage industry with you today. Markus, we start this podcast to discuss different sustainability challenges in the food and beverage industry, and we'll invite many interesting experts in the future. But why did we create this podcast and why is it called Hot Potato? Yeah, we think it's such an important topic uh, where the industry just needs to exchange more about share best practices, share learnings. And hot potato is a great name for it because hot potato comes from that saying that basically a sensitive situation or a controversial issue that is difficult to handle and thus gets passed on from one person to the next is a very good, you know, kind of picture of many of the topics that we're seeing going on in the sustainability space within the food beverage space today. That's why we have chosen that name. I think Hot Potato is a really great name for our podcast, actually. And I hope that we can inspire many sustainability leaders to work more ambitiously on their sustainability goals and find solutions for different challenges. So could you tell us a bit more about your background and your journey in sustainability? Yeah, absolutely. I actually started my career uh, as a founder back in 2006, uh, where I co-founded my first startup baby, a company called Suvu. company, meanwhile, raised uh, more than 200 million in venture capital. It's a global market leader for AI digital sales assistance. And after 12, 13 super exciting years, I decided to bring in a scale-up CEO into the business, handed over to him at a triple-digit growth rate, and then had the opportunity to basically leave the business from an operational point of view. And I spent one year with my family after 12, 13 super intense years, had a lot of time with them. And as during that year, we also uh, traveled through the Nordics. So we bought an RV and then traveled through Sweden and Norway and Finland and had an amazing time there as a family. But that was also really defining time for me because I learned a lot about the climate crisis, the biodiversity crisis. We were standing in front of those glaciers and saw how they reached treat year over year. When we were up in Norway that year, hundreds of reindeer starved to death because suddenly it rained in the middle of the winter. The rain froze. They didn't have access to the grass that usually awaits them below the snow. And at that point, I realized that, you know, things are really going into the wrong direction with regards to the climate and biodiversity crisis. At that time, my second son, Paul, was on his way. And at that point, I really decided that for me, there can be nothing more exciting and more interesting than really using my learnings, my network, my experience to have a positive impact on those two biggest challenges of our times. And that was also the time when I decided to get active as an angel investor. Since then, I'm investing in startups in that field that do cool things like converting CO2 into lipids and proteins, novel food, alternative food options, for example. But at that time, I also decided to get active as an entrepreneur again. And when together with my co-founders, then decided to found Inoko. 
Yeah, it's really impressive that you dedicated your entrepreneurial life to sustainability and are now working on all those issues. So what kind of problems do grocery retailers and food and beverage brands face today regarding the sustainability transformation? Yeah, very good question. So basically, the food that we eat every day, the products that you and I and every one of us is choosing every day at the supermarket, at the restaurant, are responsible for 34% of the global greenhouse gas emissions, are responsible for 70% of the biodiversity loss on land, and obviously have a huge impact on our own health and on our own well-being. And uh, retailers are here really in a unique position to do something about it and to really change this. And the, the very important insight for me was that a very large percentage of the greenhouse gas emissions that are kind of caused by a retailer have nothing to do with, you know, the way how they store and pack and transport their products or how they, you know, you, how products are being used. But the very large chunk of the impact, no matter whether we talk about the greenhouse gas emissions or biodiversity impact or health impact, really comes from the products themselves. So in the terminology of uh, climate, you would talk about scope three emissions, basically. And retailers are here in a really unique position to support the decarbonization of their suppliers and producers upstream, while at the same time enable a more sustainable and healthier consumption downstream at their consumers. So it's a huge opportunity for retailers and it's not only the right thing to do, but McKinsey, who is one of our partners, uh, is estimating that retailers can actually increase their profits by up to 50% by playing a very active role in this sustainability transformation and by becoming a front runner there. And this is obviously a huge opportunity that retailers are facing here at the moment. Obviously, there's many challenges they need to overcome. Like, for example, that up until recently, there was no scalable way to really assess thousands of products uh, in a scalable way, in an affordable way. There's a lot of uncertainties out there in terms of what's the regulator going to do? Will there be certain labels the retailers will have to put onto their products? Uh, yeah, and as mentioned earlier, it's, uh, it comes with a huge price tag or it came with a huge price tag up until recently to really assess those thousands of products. And that obviously puts retailers and food and beverage brands yeah, into, into a not too easy environment. And uh, yeah, where they have quite some challenges and quite some options on how to how to move on and how to really fulfill their goals and their commitments uh, in terms of making their assortment more sustainable and reducing their emissions. Wow, really interesting that retailers in the whole food sector have such a big impact on sustainability and that it's also such a big business opportunity. But how can retailers achieve this transparency? How does Inoko help them to assess the impact of food and beverage products? Yeah, so basically with our Inoko technology, we help them to accurately estimate the impact of their thousands of third-party products purely based on public data. And we enable them to calculate the impact of their own white label products so that they can basically understand where their products are standing today, can in the next step start to optimize them by making them more sustainable by, for example, adapting processes, ingredients, uh, the origin of ingredients, introducing standards but also report on the progress that they are making, while at the same time using that data to communicate it to end consumers, to the customer, to really enable them 
to take more sustainable and healthier purchasing decisions because in the end we cannot overcome this challenge we cannot make the food and beverage system more sustainable by looking at products only but a very important factor is also which products are consumed by consumers because there's a lot of things that can be done in terms of lowering the impact of products but Obviously, without having consumers change the way they consume and change the food they consume, we never, or retailers and food and beverage brands will never be able to achieve their targets. Okay, well, and how can companies communicate the impact of their products then to consumers? Yeah, so basically the first step that we always enable our customers, so the grocery retailers, the food and beverage brands to do is to really assess the impact of their products. We assess products on eight dimensions. So we look beyond carbon. Carbon is obviously one very important impact dimension, but we also assess products on animal welfare, on nutrition, on uh, social welfare, as well as uh, moving forward also on biodiversity, packaging, regionality, and seasonality. So these are the eight dimensions that we assess products on. And grocery retailers have the big challenge that they lack a lot of data, especially when it comes to the third-party products. So we offer them a solution which we call product impact estimates. And the product impact estimate allows us to assess or to estimate the impact of food products purely based on the public data that's out there. So with our Inoku product impact estimates, we also call it PI, uh, we basically take the ingredients of a product, the nutritional values, the labels, we're able to understand how is a product compositioned? And then we apply so-called performance class E data, which are realistic worst case values to those processes and ingredients that are involved in the production of that process and thereby can come up with a first estimate of what's the impact of that product looks like uh, more or less. Those product impact estimates are always a little bit worse off than or frequently a little bit worse off than the product impact assessment. Product impact assessment is a full assessment, a full LCE, at least on the carbon side that we do when the producer provides us with additional data on top of the data that's already public. So producer, for example, the white label uh, brand producer of the supermarket can provide us with information like the country of origin of the sesame seeds of a hummus or how the sesame seeds are transported for how many miles by which vehicle, by which ship they can share with us what energy mix they use at their facilities where it's produced, how much energy they use, how it's packaged, how it's stored, at which temperature. So we're able to really gather very detailed primary data from the producers and thereby are able to calculate the accurate, you know, assessment of the product on climate, on, you know, animal welfare, uh, on the social dimension and so on. And this way, the, the product basically moves away from this product impact estimate towards the product impact assessment, which obviously allows us to step-by-step step replace those realistic worst case assumptions, the performance class E values, by the real data that has been provided by the producer. But by having this system in place, we also provide a very strong incentive for more and more brands to share more and more data with us so that we can basically assess the product in an accurate way. So a big difference that we do here in comparison to others is that we do not reward 50% of the producers out there for doing nothing and uh, basically just using the cheapest, frequently not very sustainable ingredients and processes out there. But we really kind of 
only only reward those brands and those producers if they give us more and more data over time. That doesn't mean that they need to share all their data from one day to the other. Like with the Pareto principle that usually by sharing 20%, by sharing more data about 20% of the ingredients and processes, you can really cover 80% of the impact. It's usually two, three, four topics per product that really have a high impact and others like where does the salt come from? How much water do you use at your warehouse? are pretty much irrelevant. We really help the producers to also understand, okay, what's relevant, what's not relevant, thereby step-by-step reducing their impact. Okay, great. Yeah, that's also a really great way to distinguish themselves from competitors if they are more transparent and then have more sustainable products. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what I forgot to mention is obviously that the next step is that we then that we do not only allow them to assess the products, but then our software also provides them with recommendations on how to make the products more sustainable. So for example, if we know that our solution knows that a certain hummus has been produced with sesame from Ethiopia, from a non-land use change certified supplier, we have to attribute quite high, quite a high uh, carbon footprint to that product because there's a lot of land use change going on in Ethiopia, particularly for sesame fields, which we need to factor in when we do our LCE. So in this case, our solution actively recommends to, for example, shift to land use change certified suppliers within Ethiopia or to, for example, uh, shift to another country which has a lower land use change going on with regarding the production of this raw, raw material. And thereby, we really actively help those suppliers to make their products more sustainable step by step and to reduce the emissions, the scope three emissions of the retailers ultimately. Yes, I think it's really great that Inoko not only assesses the impact of those products, but also provides recommendations on how to improve the sustainability performance of these food and beverage products and even provides retailers with exact suggestions on how to do that. I think this contributes a lot to achieve the climate targets because more and more companies commit to the science-based targets initiative, for example. So how do you see this? And how can Inoka improve the climate performance of retailers and producers? Yeah, we're obviously super excited to see uh, more and more large retailers to sign up to science-based targets. I think it's a hugely important uh, initiative that yeah really pushes everyone in the industry into the right direction. And at the same time, retailers realized pretty quickly that they have a big challenge there because in reality, you know, 70, 80% or partially even more of their emissions are not caused by them, but they are within their happening upstream at the suppliers. And they realized that by just using those average values to assess their scope three, pro their scope three product carbon footprint emissions, they won't make any progress. They will only make progress if they're really able to track the steps that their suppliers upstream are taking. And uh, with Inoko, we basically give them the opportunity to do so because with Inoko, as soon as supplier switches to green energy, they benefit from the lowered emissions at the products produced. Or as soon as a supplier switches to land use change certified ingredients, they benefit from a lower uh, CO2 footprint. 
And therefore, it's super important that retailers basically don't do the mistake to, you know, kind of get a stop uh, or just assess the impact of their scope three emissions based on those average industry values, secondary data, or even category specific value, but really go down into the supply chain and understand what the suppliers are actually doing to lower their footprint and to actually work hand in hand with their brands and with their suppliers, come back with recommendations on how they can uh, reduce the footprint even further. And uh, with Inoko, we uh, provide our retail customers and as well as our brand customers with the ability to really get a very deep understanding of, of the product carbon footprint uh, of their products. So here we assess the products cradle to grave. Uh, we really take in the information from the suppliers in almost real time. So whenever they take steps into the right direction, the retailers benefit from that. And we are also able to basically take out their own scope one and scope two emissions because we also don't want them to double count their emissions. So we have technology that enables us to basically then take the entire, you know, farm to uh, disposal stage emissions. However, remove the warehouse stage and the retail stage, partially transportation stage, if they are already anyway covered by the carbon accounting uh, that the retailer does with regards to their scope one and scope two emissions. And this is a hugely important topic for more and more retailers out there because without really going up in the supply chain, they will never ever be able to really show that, you know, they are making progress with regards to their scope three, which is, yeah, basically the very, very large chunk of their emissions. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like a really great solution for engaging with suppliers to reduce the scope 3 emissions of retailers. But also I think Inoko provides a lot of value regarding communication with consumers. Because Inoko started off with the consumer app. So I'm wondering, what were your learnings there? Yeah, absolutely. So First of all, we see a lot of appetite and a lot of interest from retailers as well as brand uh, brands to go into uh, impact labeling of their products. And with Inoko, we have developed our own product impact assessment and our product impact estimate label, which basically can be printed front of pack, can be shown on the digital uh, touch points of the retailers on their you know websites, on their online shops, within their apps. And the product impact assessment label always comprises of three out of the eight dimensions that we basically you know evaluate products on. So to give you an example for soft drink, that would be carbon and nutrition and packaging because within the soft drink category these are the three factors where you see quite a variance within within that category and we which are kind of significant from an impact perspective overall however for a red meat product it would be obviously carbon and nutrition and animal welfare we always we don't want to overwhelm consumers that's why we focus on those three sub labels out of the eight dimensions that we assess but on top we add a qr code which which, by the way, can also be built around the GS1 digital link, which is going to replace the EN code down the road and thereby really provide consumers, on the one hand, quick quick guidance on how sustainable is the product. On the other hand, we enable them to scan this QR code, which then will get you as a consumer onto the product detail page or into the retailer app. And on that page, you find a quick summary of the impact of the product, as well as the quantitative evaluation of the product across all those eight dimensions from dark green 
for very good to dark red for very bad. And there you find then how is the product doing from a climate perspective, from a nature perspective, from a nutrition perspective, from an animal welfare perspective. And within all of those dimensions, you also find so-called impact insights. So impact insights are basically um, qualitative information, qualitative insights that kind of educate you about what's behind that product so let's take the example of a chicken you know you would see there that a certain chicken that you're buying for sure was not fed with soy that originates from the amazon rainforest and potentially causes deforestation there or you would see that a chicken uh, the chicken that you that you scanned uh, or that you purchased uh, for example um, had a certain amount of space and for sure saw the daylight and had 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 the possibility to access the outside and you find the impact in Insights on packaging. So here you learn why actually single-use glass isn't the most sustainable packaging on the planet, which many consumers believe, and why plastic isn't the worst, you know, the, 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 the devil out there, the enemy, if it's recycled correctly. So here we really try to educate consumers about the impact of their food and beverage choices, um, because we have learned that you know, by just putting another sustainability label on there, like for example, the EcoScore, that doesn't really drive behavior change because there are not that many consumers out there who care about sustainability. But there are lots of consumers out there combined who care about animal welfare or who care about climate or who care about social issues. And by just communicating the impact of products in this more granular way, in this more multifaceted way, we're really able to attract and, and to basically, you know, approach people with what they're interested in already today, what they care about today. We can provide them deep insights, impact insights on what implications the products they were about to purchase has on the causes they care about. And on top of that, on the product detail pages of the retailers of the brands, we can even recommend more sustainable alternatives. So if you, for example, scan a conventional chicken, you would find there maybe an organic chicken as a more sustainable alternative, as well as plant-based substitutes alongside with insights why those alternatives are more sustainable. And yeah, this way you can basically just learn how you can have an impact with your daily consumption choices. But in general, we do not only have our own label, so our own uh, Inoco product impact assessment label, but we can also generate other labels that are kind of, you know, public, where the, where the methodology is public out there, like uh, EcoScore, or like NutriScore. Obviously, the retailer or the brand still needs to get a license from that consortia, but our technology is basically capable and able to assess the product on various labels and various methodologies. But we obviously recommend our own approach as we have really learned that it's the most effective way to get consumers to change their behavior and to really engage with the solution and to really get active. Yeah, I think it's really good that Inoko addresses consumers at the point where they are standing and what's important to them and then educates them even further. I'm also wondering, why do grocery retailers invest in the Inoko solution? Very good question. So basically, we help them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 it's, it's, it's not a secret, but frequently grocery retailers have a quite strong footprint with regards to sustainable products. So depending on the country you look at, usually grocery retailers have a quite significant share within the vegan products, plant-based alternative products, the organic products. So every consumer who understands more or of the impact of their choices is a customer who will automatically buy more, you know, 
vegan plant-based alternatives, more organic products, which basically means that the retailer is shifting their revenue mix towards their own sustainable uh, assortment, which also happens to be the part of the assortment where they have the highest margin on. So it's, from that end, it's, it's a strong, there are strong financial uh, incentives in place where basically uh, because we help retailers to really increase their margin, increase their, their revenue mix or optimize the revenue mix. It obviously also enables them to address this sustainability conscious young young target audience out there because they provide by by enabling them to learn more about their purchasing choices and how they can contribute and, you know, do something uh, and, and, and contribute their part. They kind of really are able to, you know, attract that target group. But at the same time, it's hugely important also from an employer branding perspective for retailers to really be very aggressive and very advanced because more and more young people want to be working for a company that's part of the solution instead of working for a company that's part of the problem. And by really offering consumers full transparency and deep insights and really helping them to do the right thing, retailers basically clearly point out that they are, you know, part of the solution and not part of the problem. And yeah, it's lots of reasons uh, why retailers work with us and why they decide to go for our solution. It's like, I would say a good mix of, you know, financial benefits, benefits on the customer acquisition and customer retention side, as well as obviously because they want to do the right thing and because they want to see the opportunity to really, you know, make their assortment more sustainable, help to drive decisions from the consumer perspective. And because many of them are very well aware that, you know, it's going to get really interesting from a regulatory perspective. I personally believe that regulators like the European Union will do something very similar like what they did to the car industry, which is basically giving retailers, you know, carbon goals. Like in this case, it will be like an average reduction goal in terms of the carbon footprint per revenue euro, which will have to go down year over year. And those retailers who start early now, who tackle the challenge up front, who start working with their suppliers, start working on the consumer side and start to make progress, they will obviously massively benefit down the road because we'll have a very much, you know, very much lower kind of starting point to get started from and will really benefit from that. In contrast, those who don't take action now run into high risks of, you know, having to pay significant fines down the road and yeah, suffering from upcoming regulatory uh, steps that the regulators will have to take, taking into mind that our food is causing a third of the global greenhouse gas emissions. So there's no way around basically yeah, setting measures here for the regulators. And those are strong incentives, obviously, for retailers to get active now and to, to, to play a very proactive role on that now. You mentioned many sustainability solutions for retailers. But if you could snap your fingers and implement one change in the food and beverage sector, what would it be? I think one element that would really massively drive change quickly is the topic of impact labeling. So if I could snap my fingers and had one wish, I would wish that it would become mandatory to have a multidimensional impact label on all food and beverage products that also really, you know, has this digital link that provides consumers with deep insights on what are the implications of that product. That would create a massive amount of pressure 
on the producers, on the retailers, but also give the consumers the right choices to, you know, the right, the right, the options to do the right thing. And it would empower the uh, regulators, governments to then demand improvements, set stronger minimum standards over time. So I think that would be the one thing that I would really uh, make happen if I could just snap my fingers and change something in the food and beverage uh, industry from one day to the other. Yes, I agree. Transparency is really important and can help us achieve our sustainability targets and help to implement measures faster. So now we have reached the end of our podcast. Thank you, Marcus. Just one last question. What is your favorite way to eat potatoes? My favorite way to eat potatoes are mashed potatoes. I love them. <laughs> so uh, mashed potato with some uh, vegetables uh, once a month with uh, maybe a little bit of meat because I still eat meat. I only try to really reduce it to, you know, maximum once a week or even less less frequent. And obviously I try to choose sustainable meats, organic meat uh, whenever I eat it. But mashed potatoes is my absolute favorite. And that is all from our Hot Potato Food and Beverage Impact Talk podcast for this month. Go to inoko.com to learn more about our contribution to sustainability in the food and beverage industry. We would like to hear from you, so follow us and message us on our social media channels. Until next time, I'm your host Elisa Kramlich and thank you for tuning in.